Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We're going to be continuing with part two of Judging versus Perceiving. And this has been a part of our bigger series on personality and relationships, where we've been talking about the Myers-Briggs type indicator and how that affects different relationships. So if you haven't already listened to part one of Judging and Perceiving, then go ahead and click the link in the show note to listen to that episode. Let's jump right into part two of Judging and Perceiving. Number six is the approach to organization. Jays tend to be more methodical and focused on completing tasks. And the way I'd like to describe it is that I am very, very linear where I have a hard time even seeing what the next task is until I've completed the one that I'm currently on. I used to work in this office and I had my own office space and then there's a place where I had to go turn in some paperwork to. And so if I would stop more like a P and I would look at the grand scheme of all the things that I would have to do. I would recognize there's five different things I need to do in this other office while I'm there. So if I can knock that all out at one time, that would be helpful. But what happens is I would go down, I'd complete task one, go back up to my office, realize, oh, there's task two that I got to do that I got to bring over to here. And then I'd bring that next task, come back up, oh, task three, oh, I actually need to drop this off at the office too. And so the office staff would probably look at me like I was a crazy person because I'd come in five different times when I could have just done it in one fell swoop. But the problem is that it's just very linear thinking. It's this task is in front of my face. I can't see past that until it's done. Now that it's done, I see the next thing, and then I can do that next task. Whereas what we talked about before, peas prefer that variety, and they actually prefer to work on multiple projects simultaneously. So an example of this is when I leave the room to go downstairs, I look around and I think, okay, I got to take this downstairs. Ooh, I have to put this away here. And while I'm down there, I can also take this and put this away. Oh, and I have to remember that while I'm down there, I'm going to bring this back upstairs. Whereas for you, Tim, when you leave the room to, say, go downstairs to get a cup of tea, what do you do? I go down and get a cup of tea, and then that's pretty much it. (laughs) I might do something while I'm waiting for the tea to finish, but normally, yeah, it's there's this task, I'm going to complete this task. Or when I'm going to a store, a lot of times it's like, I know exactly what I want to get, I'm going to get that, and I'm going to leave the store. I don't really do much perusing or browsing at all. It's, there's a task, I'm going to complete it, and then I'm going to be done. Right, and this also plays out in organization of space or area. And for peas, a lot of times their desks are messy, right? And it just does not look organized to an outside viewer. But like we talked about in the very beginning, peas have that internal organization, so they have the freedom externally, right? So if you come to a peas desk and they have a stack of papers and they have some other piles here or there, If you ask me where something is, for the most part, I know where it is and I can go upstairs and I can pick it out and get it done. So in my mind, I have everything kind of bookmarked out into sections and I can find it and pull it up fairly quickly. But externally, it does not look organized at all and it just kind of looks chaotic and like a mess. Whereas for Jays, if you go to a Jays desk, oftentimes they're very orderly and they have this external organization But a lot of times they need that external organization to feel free and unburdened internally. I was actually just talking with a friend and she was saying that her husband will come home 
And a lot of times he will get things done in the house and clean and organize and do all of that stuff. And then he'll come over and he'll sit down and talk to her. And it's not that that was the priority. He says to her that it's helpful for him to get all of that done so that he can be present with her and fully listen to her because she is a priority and he wants to be fully present, but it's difficult for him to be fully present when the external world is more chaotic and not in order. So it's that idea of external order for internal freedom versus internal order and wanting that external freedom. Number seven is reaction to change. Jays tend to be more resistant to change, and they want things to kind of go with the status quo, how things have been going, because it's more predictable. They can understand what is the outcome likely to be versus something that is changing or something that's going to be different. There's going to be unforeseen outcomes that they're going to have to deal with or try to manage that they might not be able to have a good answer to. And so I think Jays tend to want that consistency of operation. Now, for me, I don't mind change as long as it's a change that I can see how this will be beneficial. And so for me, some changes can be very helpful if, like, for example, it removes steps or it makes something easier. And this is just a small example of a change. But for getting ready to record this podcast today, instead of having to open the app, then open the file, then open the new podcast episode. Instead, I just have this template and now it's saved onto the desktop where I just click on that and then it opens up the program with the file already there so that it takes out a couple of steps and removes some energy that I have to put into trying to find the right folder and the right save file. And so for me, Again, it's a small change, not a big thing, but because it's very practical and helpful and it makes my life easier, I really like that. But also the outcome of it's very predictable, so I don't mind that. But an unpredictable outcome is a cross-country move, which we also did, which made me wildly uncomfortable, right? And that was a much more difficult thing for me to cope with and manage than some smaller change like just a desktop icon versus P's tend to deal with that kind of change much better. But actually, you dealt with that change really, really well. And I was so impressed with it. And I wonder if it's also because it made sense why we're making this cross-country move. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but I actually had to do EMDR me about the move because I was so stressed about it. And I was totally fine after that point. But before that, I was stressing out of my gourd. Oh, I do remember that. You're right. And I think this is a good example of what you said earlier about change for no reason. Like, hey, our lease is up in our office. Let's move across the hall. And it made no sense for you on why we'd do that. Mm -hmm. And so if we went ahead and did that change, that would be super stressful for you because there's no point to it in your mind. Oh, for sure. And that's why we didn't move offices because <laughs> there wasn't really a big point to it. And even though the cross-country move, we did have reasons for it. And I agreed with and I believe those reasons. The outcome of it was still unpredictable. What's going to happen with our business? How are we going to manage that? And all these different things that... I didn't have a workout set answer for them. That just drove my J crazy. And that made it so much more stressful for me. Even though logically I knew it made sense, my emotions struggled with it because I couldn't predict the outcome of what it was going to be. Whereas perceivers, a lot of times they're more open to new experiences and willing to adapt to changing situations. And we've already talked about this a lot, that you can kind of see that thread throughout all the other areas we've already addressed. So an example of this is we were on a river trip with some of our best friends and somebody was out on a sea dew. And so my friend Danny and I went to go look for them in the boat. And so Danny actually tests as a J 
but with a very slight preference for judging. And so a lot of times I can see him operating in the J preference, but oftentimes I see him either more balanced or operating in the P preference, depending on the situation, because he's really awesome at adapting to situations at hand. And so in this story, you know, we're on vacation. And so I think that he is operating a lot more in that P preference. And you know that I'm a P. And so we're on this boat and we're looking for our friend on the sea And I think we end up finding him. And then we try to head back to our camp. And then the boat runs out of gas, which, first of all, this probably wouldn't have happened to a strong J because they would have had the details planned. They probably would have checked the gas. But there were a lot of us in that group that were using the boat that day. So we just quickly jumped in the boat and tried to find the person on the Sea-Doo. I don't even know how long it took us to get back. And we had paddles and we were paddling and we were talking to people along on the shore. Which, side note, he's also an extrovert. And so along this way, we're trying to head back to our camp but neither of us is really stressing out. We're actually having a blast in this situation. And that's where kind of our new mantra came, where anything that came up that hit us in our life or circumstances that we hadn't planned for or were really negative circumstances, we turned into this mantra of, it's an adventure. And now we even use that with our kids, where anything that happens, where it's a change of plans and things are not turning out favorably, we turn into, man, this is such an adventure, and we go along with that. Now, if it were me, I would have been probably much more irritated because it's a change of plans, it's unexpected, it's irresponsible that we ran out of gas, it's a waste of time, we could have been doing A, B, and C, and so it would have been a very different response from somebody who is a J versus perceivers out on the boat. It's not a big deal, they're having fun, especially perceiver extroverts, and they're just chatting people up along the way, versus for me being an introvert, that probably would have been embarrassing. I'm then worried about what I mentioned in the other podcast about introverts is that social spectacle idea where it's like, oh, everybody's looking at me. This is embarrassing. I don't have gas, right? For you guys, that's not even a thought in your mind. You're just having a blast and chatting people up and then going with the flow. Oh, yeah, we had so much fun. And I think back on it, and that really was the start of such a big mindset shift for our family because at that point, I think we had Hannah, maybe Caleb, And from then on, we were able to really reframe things into this is an adventure and see things in that light. Number eight is our approach to rules. So judges tend to be rule followers and may feel uncomfortable when breaking rules. And so for me, very much so, I prefer to follow rules, but I will break them because of my thinking process is if I think a rule is dumb or unnecessary or unfair I'll have a tendency not to want to follow it, but it still makes me uncomfortable to break the rule. And my thought process will be, well, this rule is dumb. I shouldn't have to feel uncomfortable breaking it because it shouldn't be there. But I will still have a tendency to veer towards and my knee-jerk reaction will be to always follow rules because that's following an overall greater structure. And so the majority of the time I do follow rules. Whereas for perceivers, I think a lot of times there's a perception of certain rules are absolutely there, right? And we can follow those and we see that. But overall, we have this perception that there are exceptions to rules. And a lot of times we see rules as suggestions or guidelines rather than these hard and fast rules, which I don't have to go into details about how that could be a benefit. But a lot of times there could also be consequences for that. So judges view it as written into stone versus perceivers view them as just mere suggestions. Number nine is approach to risk. 
Jays tend to be more risk averse and cautious. And this is 100% true between us as a J and a P where I don't really like taking risks at all. An example would be gambling. I don't really like to gamble because the assumption I have is Vegas wasn't built on winners. Vegas was built on losers. And so I don't want to go and gamble because the probability is I'm going to lose all my money. Now, is there a possibility I could win there? Yeah, sure. But the probability is I'm going to lose. And so I don't want to risk that money to go and gamble because I think I'm going to just lose that money. And so it's, again, going back to this idea of optimism versus pessimism. I'm more pessimistic in what the outcome is likely to be. So then I am more averse to even trying it. When I think it also is an example of that idea we just talked about where there are exceptions to these rules, where... Yeah, maybe overall Vegas is set up to lose, but there's always an exception and there's a chance that I could be that exception. So why not risk it for the possibility of winning? Oh, for sure. But my mind goes to the cold, hard facts and the numbers (laughs) and what is the likelihood. And because the likelihood's low, I don't even want to bother to try. Versus for you, again, yeah, you're looking at it much more optimistically where you're like, but I could be the one. And if I'm the one, that would be great and wonderful. Right. So peas are willing to take risks and explore new possibilities, which also we've seen the same trend throughout what we've talked about today. Now, I will say, because I've been able to see how risks have worked out in our favor, that it has caused me to be more willing to take calculated risks than I would have in the past. And so even in the past, if it was calculated and it still looked like it would come out in the favor, I'd still be more hesitant. But now I have a body of evidence throughout the course of my life where it's like, no, okay, we've taken this risk and it's paid off in this amazing way. Okay, well, what's the benefits, downsides of taking this risk? Okay, well, the downsides aren't that much, but the potential upside is really high. So now I'm going to be willing to take that risk. And so a part of it is the details of the analysis of the information also has caused me not again to love risk taking, but be more willing to take risk because I've seen beneficial outcomes from it. And it's funny because we can even see the differences in our children as we play games with them. And they can see the differences in us when we play games like Yahtzee or Trash Pandas, which if you haven't played that game, it is such a great game. And we actually got it from one of our friends and listeners of this podcast when she heard that we love to play games. But as we're playing this game, you have the opportunity to continue on and risk it all or to stop and play it safe and get the benefits of the specific tokens that you've gotten. And Tim will almost always strategically stop when he gets three of these tokens. And there's an opportunity to get six of these tokens from the six-sided die. Whereas for me, when I play, I will almost always go to at least four, sometimes five. And sometimes I'll risk it and try to go to that sixth one, just depending on how I'm feeling, which is very much that intuition preference that we've talked about before, that I'll risk it based on what is my intuition telling me will happen. And when I ask them, like, oh, should I roll or not? My oldest sometimes will say, I don't think you should, but I think you will because you're a risk taker. And it's so interesting because for me, there's a tension between wanting to win and then not wanting to lose the tokens I've already gained. And so that's where I've come to the conclusion that three is the optimal (laughs) amount of times to roll the die where I have a decent probability of not rolling duplicates. But then still I'm getting enough options on what I can do so that I can still have a possibility at winning. And so for me, it's like I've calculated out, okay, this is what I should do. And then I stick to that pattern almost exclusively all the way through the game. And there's another game that we play, which is Sky Joe. We mentioned it earlier. But that's a really fun one. But in that one, I can definitely see 
how as a P, it's that mixture of risk-taking, but also my approach to time. Because in that game, once somebody goes out with their cards, then the game is over and it's done. And a lot of times I try and collapse my cards while watching the other people and thinking, okay, the game could be done soon. Oh, but if I just get a couple more cards, I have the chance to collapse this and lower my score. So a lot of times I will take that risk. Whereas Tim will look at it and he'll say, oh, the game is so close to ending. I probably won't get these cards in time in order to collapse them. So then I'll be stuck with these higher cards. And so that caused me to change my strategy to try to mitigate or reduce the risk as much as I can. And then 10, our final difference between judges and perceivers is our approach to relationships. Jays may prefer to have structured relationships with defined roles and expectations. And so I think for me, understanding what is the nature of the relationship, how are we engaging, helps me to feel more comfortable with the relationship as opposed to a nebulous thing where I can't necessarily predict what are they expecting from me or fulfill what the expectation is from them. And so having a more nebulous relationship feels more uncomfortable for me because then I'm trying to constantly think, well, what might they want or what might they need? Because I don't know what they're expecting. And I think this also plays in for you of that extroversion versus introversion in respect to roles, right? If you have a structured role where you're invited to an event to speak, you have that role and that relationship to the people of I'm speaking and it's okay for me to stand in this extroversion and you actually come across really extroverted. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it boils down to I feel comfortable when I have this defined role. And that defined role allows me to come out of my shell more versus when there's an ill-defined role, then I very much want to retreat and get to a position where I can observe and try to identify what is the appropriate response in this situation. Whereas for peas, they tend to be more comfortable with open-ended and spontaneous roles and relationships where if somebody invited me to an event and they said, oh, you want to come to this event? And if I need help, can you help me? Then I'd be totally fine just showing up and asking, hey, what do you need? And if not, just hanging out with people and sitting kind of in the background. Whereas for Tim, if he went to an event, he would want to know, well, what do you want me to help with? And he'd be less likely to want to show up without that defined role of, am I hanging out or am I helping? Because I think for you, it probably feels awkward if you're kind of helping sometimes, but then sometimes there's not anything to do. So then you're just kind of hanging around. Oh, yeah, I totally think that if it was ill-defined, if my services were needed, my preference would definitely be to not go or to be like, well, getting closer, can you tell me what you would need of me? So that I, again, have this mental model of what's expected or what's not expected. And again, if I'm going there and then they didn't need me, it'd feel like a waste of my time. It'd feel like they weren't very conscientious or thoughtful of how that would affect me. And it kind of goes back to that whole idea of moving. I can move and I can help for a very long period of time as long as I get to keep the momentum going. But if we have a stopping point and that momentum is lost, then I have a tendency to lose interest or feel like, okay, we're at the end of my desire to help at this point because now I'm just sitting around twiddling my thumbs and that's not the goal that I have for what I'm doing here. Right. So as an extrovert, then I would use that time and think, oh, I can connect with all these other people. And I'm okay with not really having that plan as a P and just kind of showing up and figuring it out as I go. Whereas for you, you want that plan, you want that structure. And I want to execute that plan. So you can really see how, as we were talking about things today, how incorporating the other preferences really makes a difference in how each of the preferences plays out for you. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us in this podcast. We are going to continue talking about the MBTI for a little bit more. We're going to dive into understanding your kids' personality types and what they need and how, as a parent, it could be helpful for you to engage with your kids in different ways based on their personality type needs. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.